Welcome in to the Who Day Den. It's a rapid reaction episode as the Bengals have defeated the Miami Dolphins 27 to 15 in primetime Thursday night football and moved to two and two on the season behind a rocking crowd at Paycor. Let me let me talk about the crowd real quick before I before I get into the game. There th- there was a, a time at the beginning when the game started where I was like this has a a, uh, a feel similar to the Raiders playoff game. Now I think after the two injury that changed a little bit and probably rightfully so. Offense bogged down a little bit as well, but the stadium was rocking. I thought the whiteout thing was just having that as a as a theme for the night was awesome to have you you don't see that a lot in the nfl it's more of a college thing and i thought that was cool to to coordinate that and Bengals fans did a great job showing out in in white i haven't seen i was at the game so i didn't see any broadcast stuff but i imagine that looked pretty cool from the tv as well and then they, they did a couple other things to add to the stadium experience like things that don't seem that big like flickering lights strobe light stuff for intros and and for players coming out for warm-ups and i think like in into the third quarter or something i don't know like in the grand like there's some dude that is just like like flipping switches switch flipping light switches just on off on off on off on off hit the button for orange strobe it's not that hard for them to do but it's something that adds to the stadium experience for the fans gets the fans excited there was a a moment in the, I think it was the, the end of the third quarter, start of the fourth, where each side of the stadium, one side did who, the other side did day, and just go back and forth. Again, something to engage the fans, get the stadium uh, involved, get it loud. And, and you got the crowd singing along to a popular song, Mr. Brightside. You may have heard of it before, but I'm I'm a sucker for any time uh 60,000 people are doing something in unison, especially when they're singing or chanting or waving pom-poms. Anything like that that's in unison gives me chills, especially being a part of it, right, for the Bengals. And I think you look at some of these things and it's like, yeah, the there's college teams that do – Penn State's known for their whiteouts. I was at the game with Jake. He mentioned UK does blue and white chant back and forth across the stadium. Little things like that you see in the college atmosphere and you think, wow, that's crazy and i don't know if maybe it hasn't translated to the nfl as much because they think more adult fan base maybe wouldn't participate or i'm not sure what the reason is but bringing some of those things to cincinnati to Paycor stadium the fans were definitely behind it and it made for a rocking atmosphere at Paycor. and i want to again this is a rapid reaction so i'm not fully equipped here with my usual organized show sheet and my organized stats and PFF hasn't updated. I, those grades and all that stuff won't be finalized sometime until, uh, I guess today. It's it's one it's one eleven a.m. Make a wish, and I guess this will be finalized later on Friday. But anyways, I want to start with the defense. This is a rapid reaction, so this isn't this isn't supposed to be as organized, I guess. And I thought the defense played extremely well. You say, well, duh, they played pretty well. But coming into the game, the Bengals were one of three teams that had not surrendered a uh, touchdown in the second half of games. And they, again, did not allow a touchdown in the second half. The 
uh, drives for the Dolphins in the second half went three and out punt, three and out punt, field goal, three and out punt, interception, turnover on downs. We really shut them down in the second half. And I think all the talk about, or maybe some of the doubts, I guess you could say, around the Bengals defense because of their competition so far aren't going to go away because two obviously did not finish this game. Teddy Bridgewater did and probably fits more into the same category of quarterbacks we'd face the first three weeks. So those questions aren't going to go away. They're going to be there until we beat Lamar next week. And even then, who knows, the goalpost might move again on what is considered success for this defense. But what we saw, I think, as Bengals fans, these four weeks of the season look a lot like what we saw at the end of last season as well throughout the playoffs when the defense not only plays like solid, like, oh, they played solid. They're playing well enough that no matter what our offense is doing, we're in the game. So if our offense is scoring, that's great. Last week, our offense was scoring. Defense was doing their thing, and we built up a lead. This week, the offense sputtered a little bit. Second half, third quarter, especially, things weren't going great. And Miami was still not able to put a bunch of points up on the board. They scored three points in the third quarter because our defense was keeping it close. That's the beauty of having a good defense is it allows time for our offense to work through whatever they have to work through. And I don't even know if I, I mean, game ball, easy one is Devon Bell, right? Two interceptions. He's the one that came down with them. And wouldn't you know, there was a a podcast out there that they were talking about um, Tua being like a little overrated because he underthrows a lot of deep balls. And luckily, the Bengals have defensive backs that aren't going to get beat by seven yards. And they have safeties in Von Bell and Jesse Bates. That can, oh, dude, that was my that was my podcast. That was last episode. Yeah, um, that was us, guys. Uh, but yeah, I trusted Von Bell, Jesse Bates and those DBs to not have eight yards of separation to where if Tua underthrows it, his receiver is still able to make a play. And sure enough, on the first interception from Vaughn, it was an underthrown ball on a deep pass, and he got the interception. And then at the end of the game, got an interception from Teddy on a more of an overthrow than anything else. So, yeah, game ball could go to him. But there were a number of defensive players that I thought played well. Akeem Davis Gaither made a big play in the first half. This was when the game was 7-3. to three. Um, Miami's driving down the field. We had just turned the ball over on downs. Uh, we'll get to that later when we talk about the offense. Turn the ball over on downs and on second and 10 from our 30 yard line Tua throws over the middle to Jalen Waddle. And he I re, I mean, he it goes down as an incompletion, but he did kind of catch the ball, would have caught the ball if Akeem Davis Gaither does not rip it out as it's going to the ground to force the incompletion. Next pass is incomplete. We hold him to a field goal. Huge play from Davis Gaither in the middle of the field prevented a first down. That drive may not have ended in a field goal and, you know, feels a little bit different. When you have a seven nothing lead that then turns into a ten to seven disadvantage, feels a little bit different than maintaining a lead by one point by holding them into the field goal. Huge play from Akeem Davis Gaither, and Logan Wilson played a good game, and we've become accustomed to that now. Logan Wilson having big plays and big moments. I mean, the dude legitimately could have been Super Bowl MVP had we won that game. Would he have been? I don't know. Probably would have given it to T Higgins because. Offense is sexier, but Logan Wilson played well in the Super Bowl, played well in the playoffs, and last week had that amazingly athletic interception. This week, huge play, uh, stopping a it was a third and one in the second half, I believe, 
and handoff goes to Chase Edmonds. And this was at a point in the game where we're nursing a two point lead, 17 15. They run the ball uh, to get it to third and one. And Chase Edmonds takes the handoff, and Logan Wilson meets him in the backfield, drives him back for a loss, forcing the punt. We get a field goal the next drive to extend the lead to five, give us a little bit of breathing room. And that was a thought I, mar- I marked that play down, <laughs> that that was just a huge play from Logan Wilson that, again, don't know how that drive would have gone. There's 12 minutes left at the time. I guess there's about 10 minutes left in the game. How would that drive have gone had they gotten the first down there and continued moving down the field? They only needed a field goal to then take the lead again. So, you know, who knows? We'll never know. But it was a great play by Logan Wilson nonetheless. And this is a lot of the same stuff we saw last year. We don't have one star player on defense that is going to get all the attention. We don't have one guy that the other team can game plan against. Trey Hendrickson is the closest thing we have to uh, a game wrecker, as I like to call them. But we have a bunch of dudes out there that can make plays. It was Trey last week. Uh, It was BJ Hill this week having a big sack, uh, getting in there, making plays. It was, I mentioned Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis Gaither. It was Von Bell coming down with two interceptions. Uh, Cheeto had a good play out there again as well. So it was a mixture of guys that know their roles, do their jobs well. And again, like I said, this defense as a unit keeps us in games while our offense figures things out. As we go to the offense, I'm going to start with the bad because I want to end with good. Uh, The bad, I think, is I don't want to pile on the guy because we've done this for two episodes. But Joe Mixon, dude, just is he looks bad. He just does not look good at all. Maybe it's the ankle. Hopefully it's the ankle. Not because I hope he's injured you know, for an actual injury purpose, but because then at least we know he could heal up and get back to the Joe Mixon. We all know and love right now. He is not that right now. He is, it seems like last week on a 12 carry for 24 yard effort. It was vision. That was the problem. And this week it was not so much vision. There's a lot of the replays they showed in the stadium where it's like, okay, he really didn't have a lot uh, of room to maneuver, but it was a lot of, he gets tackled and just he can't even fall forward. Gets stood up at the line, runs into the back of his lineman, doesn't break tackles, doesn't make guys miss, which was painfully obvious on the swing pass to him where he's got a DB in front of him. The guy chops his feet six times, doesn't move left, doesn't move right, doesn't move forward, doesn't move backwards, literally just in place and then gets tackled immediately. And I'm like, I, I I don't know what in his head he thinks is going to happen there. But it was another game where he saw the volume, didn't have the results. 24 carries, 61 yards, good for two and a half a carry. And then four receptions for 13 yards. I put a little, I mean, the one I just mentioned wasn't great. But I, I don't put a lot of stock into yards per reception for running backs because sometimes they're just release valves or, you know, they're under pressure and get a quick dump off. But two and a half yards per carry, again, not good. And he's getting high volume, but is so inefficient. And it's unfortunate because uh, I think the running game could be something that completely unlocks this offense. We don't, we've shown now for two weeks that we don't need the running game to be good for play action to work. Play action worked well last week and worked really well this week, even with Joe Mixon averaging two yards per carry. But it would open things up. And I tweeted out a stat earlier this week, and uh, I'm not going to scroll through it this hour to go find it. 
And because this is unrehearsed, I didn't already have it pulled up. I say unrehearsed. I don't rehearse these things, but you know, I don't have a show sheet for it. Uh, but Joe Mixon had like, uh, oh, dude, see, I was stalling this whole time scrolling. I just found it. Joe Mixon has the most carries against light boxes where there are six or fewer defenders in the box. He has the lowest yards per carry against light boxes, 2.6 yards per carry. Uh, among guys that have at least 15 carries and blah, 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 blah. They're all averaging about seven and over seven yards per carry against light boxes. And he averages 2.6. All that to say, he's still getting favorable matchups where he's not running into eight guys piled into the box and we're just outnumbered. He's just facing light boxes and not getting anything. And we've mentioned the next gen stats thing of uh, his rushing yards under, I guess, over expectation. And how bad he's been, and he was bad last week, and this week. Um, see, this is me doing another stalling thing. See if they have it, uh, because I'd be interested to see what his rush yards. Uh, I don't think they have that up there yet. That'll update some other time. Man, I was looking at his rushing chart though. I mean, with a twenty-four for sixty-one line, there's not going to be a lot of good. There's not even like one you could say like, well, he he ran well to the left he just struggles going to the right it's like nah it's pretty much all over the field he gets uh get you two yards so thank you joe hopefully this mini buy here helps him to heal up if it is an ankle thing and he can um get back to again like i said doing what we expect him to do and we at this point again if he's getting 24 carries and he's healthy and performing the way he should he should have 100 yards rushing but even so the 15 carries for 60 yards the 20 for 80 that is that is enough for this um offense and it's a shame that uh i just looked it up again dang they did update it for him it looks like he's now sitting at actually i don't remember he's sitting at negative 61 is that what he was last week maybe it's the same I don't know. Maybe it was the same. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not stressing it either way. He hasn't been good. Wasn't good again. And we'll see if he's able to get back on track. Those are like probably the bad. If I want to say one more bad thing about the offense that I didn't love, but it, it, it leads into something I did love. Uh, Zach Taylor's play calling man is just so Jekyll and Hyde. I, I want to applaud him first for his aggressiveness on fourth downs. And again, into the game, we have an opportunity where you're thinking, we're just going to run the ball, make them use their timeouts, kick a field goal, go up eight. That's pretty safe. It's a touchdown plus two-point conversion and probably win the game. And instead, mixing things up from the two-yard line, third down, comes out in jumbo. There's no Jamar Chase out there. There's no T. Higgins. It's Devin Asiasi. It's Hayden Hurst. It's Mitchell Wilcox. Runs play action because we all think we're running it to Joe Mixon up the middle there. Touchdown dagger Hayden Hurst game over. That's an aggressive play call. I like that. Going for it on fourth down is aggressive. But the actual play call to throw a pitch to Joe Mixon on fourth down was just a head scratcher. When has the pitch worked for Joe Mixon this year? Really anyone. I think we ran it with a Jamar Chase once this year too. a pitch. It, it's just running wide is just not working right now. I don't like running that kind of play either when you need one yard or less than a yard. I prefer you take your chances. I mean, honestly, I'd prefer it's annoying when it doesn't work. Sure. But I would prefer you just run it straight up the gut and hope that you can fall forward 
and you're at the bottom of the pile and they give you a favorable mark. I mean, that's what I would rather that than, hey, let's stretch it out wide and you get run out of bounds a yard short of the line of scrimmage. And it, it, it ah, drives me insane. But you get something like that. You get a second down and 10. I think this came after a penalty on first down. I want to say we were like first and 20 because I think we got a holding. Yeah, it was a first and 20. And then we got 10 yard completion or a nine yard completion. Sets so up like a second and 11. Run the ball with with Samaj P. Ryan out of shotgun. No gain. Set you up in a third and long. It's like, why would you run that play? And then and then we're running a trick play to Tyler Boyd, who get, then gets us a first down to Jamar Chase. It's like, now nah, that was a good play call. It's just back and forth. And so the good outweighs the bad, thankfully, but it's maddening sometimes. Where I'm just like, man, if, if Zach Taylor could just be in his bag all game and and not have these head scratchers of play calls, I just wonder what the offense could do sometimes. But I got to give the guy credit because, again, I don't have these stats up with PFF and all that right now. But we ran a lot of play action, it seemed like, and the play action was working. We ran it from under center. And again, I go back to after week one. That's all everybody wanted was you cannot be so predictable under center. Even at the end of week two in the second half, you cannot be so predictable when we go under center and we ran play action. And the next thing, you know, after I've applauded Zach Taylor for uh, his aggressiveness and for his play calling more often than not, the offensive line played well. Again, I don't have the PFF grades. We'll see what PFF comes back with. Maybe it's not as good as we think. But from what I heard on the radio, I'm going to take, uh, uh, I think it was Dan Horde <clears throat> mentioned it uh, as I was driving home. One sack allowed three quarterback hits. Either way, whatever PFF says, all in all, it was a pretty good performance by the offensive line. It was a game where Joe had a lot of clean pockets to work with. There were very... Okay, I'm trying to think real quick. I don't remember any time there was a free rusher. I don't remember any time where... I remember one on a play action where he immediately needed to scramble to his right um, on the play. But again, every other time, as I recall, ran a play action, he had a pocket to work with. I thought the offensive line played well, and it's what we hoped would be the case after week one, that maybe some gelling, some uh, ironing out some communication issues might be what they needed. And it seems like the last couple weeks... They're playing better, so we hope that that continues as well. All in all, I think you look at that game and say, man, we did not play our best game, and we won by 12. We scored almost 30 points, and now we sit at 2-2 two and two with a massive game coming up next week. I, I, I forgot to tell you guys, too. I'm not a sellout. Well, first let me say this before I say I'm not a sellout. I won money on vivid picks this week. So round of applause for me. We're on the winning side of things here, but I didn't necessarily go with the picks that I talked about. And here's why. So I wait, right? I say, I'm going to wait. Cause I got burned that one time where the, uh, the, the props changed a little bit. And I was already locked in from a few days prior. So I wait, I'm at the stadium with Jake where they're like an hour ish before kickoff hanging out. And I was like, Oh, I forgot to lock in my picks. I go pull them up. First of all, the closer you get to the game, way more props on there, which is pretty cool. But uh, the Tyreek Hill one, which I already was a little, I guess I shouldn't have doubted my guest, but I was already a little hesitant on the Tyreek Hill one. It was sat at 75. It went up to like 83. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to hit the over on that. Jason said he'd hit the over last episode. He'd hit it on 75. And I'm like, I don't know if I'll take the over. And then I didn't take the under on Joe Mixon rushing yards, which I said I would, which would have hit. 
but I did end up taking the over on his receptions. It was set at three and a half, and he had four receptions. So I took that because I read an article about how the Dolphins blitz, leave running backs open a lot, susceptible to quick passes. So I, I took that one and ended up hitting. And I, I had to take someone from the Dolphins, and they put up a Chase Edmonds rushing, and it was low. It was like 33. But Mostert's been the one getting a lot of the run, uh, and Chase Edmonds has not. And sure enough, Edmonds five carries, six yards. So I don't want to brag. But I put in like eh, $3 and I'm going to net uh, roughly six. So that, that money is going straight to the bankroll and we're going to run this baby back next week. I'm mad at myself for not going over on the Higgins. It moved up a little bit, but it still sat at like right around 70. And I wanted to hit the over and I just I blame Jake, actually. So, Jake, uh, I assume you're listening to this because <laughs> why wouldn't you? Um I'm going to blame you because when I mentioned that, when I was getting ready to lock these in, you just, you hesitated and then it made me hesitate. I could have won five. I could have won five X. Oh, like 15 bucks instead of six. But here we are. Now you guys can feel comfortable listening to my betting advice, I guess, because uh, we are in the green, at least for this week, but a big matchup coming up next week. We'll get into that. I'll probably do another episode um, early in the week to kind of put a bow on this. Once we have some more uh, final, stats and we got pff grades to look at and more quotes from players and coaches and all that i don't know once i've had time to think about it this is all just spitballing at 1 30 a.m here we are it's a beautiful thing and dang i gotta get up early too gotta get up early kids have school and i need to help my wife with that it doesn't go over well if i wasn't here all evening to help with uh kid had a haircut appointment, got to get him dinner, get him ready for bed. It's a whole thing with two kids. And I wasn't there for that because I was enjoying the Bengals game. Doesn't go over well when she needs help in the morning, getting the kids ready. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to sleep in because I'm tired. And oh, hey, P.S. I stayed up an hour later than I could have or should have because I was doing a podcast. So man, morning's going to come early. But anyways, Bengals fans are sending two and two five days ago. We were winless, and now we're back at 500. The season has turned a page for us. And could this be the start of a win streak that we need to really get the ball rolling for this team? Maybe. Maybe. But we enjoy a mini-buy. We enjoy Sunday's games, knowing that we just get to root against our rivals, and we've won no matter what else happens that day. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the weather. I hope it's nice weather. I Last episode, I said I'm the weather guy. I mean, check the weather for the next few days. Hopefully it's nice. But either way, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the win. Two and two Cincinnati Bengals. Until next time, Bengals fans, hootay.